Good morning, comrades, and uh, welcome to uh, Workers' Power for another week. Uh, I'm, I'm one of the car hosts, Bill. I'm joined by Jackson and Hannah. Hello. And uh, uh, look, I, I want to start out before before we go on. Um, that, well, no, we better say thank you to uh, Art Cart and thank you to the to the wonderful uh, Z Lines crew. It's fantastic having them back again, isn't it? It is. I'm informed. Yes, and they were reporting about uh, workers being uh, mistreated uh, and uh, not having security uh, things. So uh, yeah, they do some uh, great stuff for workers. Uh, but uh, yeah, I've said thank you to uh, Z Lines. So. Um, oh, oh, we've got a special thing we'll start the show out with today. Now, the track that I just played was uh, called uh, from a band named Golden Age of Ballooning. Now, I've since learned that that's a, uh, a, re- a Monty Python reference. Oh, um, interesting. Yes. Uh, but the name of the track, which is the interesting thing, is Birthday was the name of the track. So thank you for that Golden Age of Ballooning. But that's a great segue because there's someone who is special to us here at Workers' Power who's having their birthday today. Yes, my darling Smiley. Well, Happy birthday, baby. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, of course, my, my comrade uh, and friend uh, Smiley, I wish you happy birthday as well, and I'm sure Jackson extends that. Yeah, happy birthday, Smiley. So, uh, yeah, part of the Workers' part We could nearly say family there. We, yes. Y- yeah, <laughs> could, couldn't we, you know, so... He's our number one fan. Yeah, he would be, wouldn't he? (laughs) I know, other than my mum, maybe. No, no. (laughs) When when, uh, uh, the show started out and Fergal and and I were were starting and uh, for the first few weeks when the subscriber thing would go, we'd we'd say, oh, oh, we've got a new subscriber. Thanks, mum. (laughs) Thanks, Fergal's mum, you know. but. uh, yeah, no, he is a good supporter of, of you, of course, and, and yes. of us. So uh, a very, very happy birthday, comrade. All right, uh, so today on the show, we, we, we've got uh, some workers' action to talk about and and uh, we, we want to go into a little bit discussion, so we'll probably spend a little bit more time uh, than we normally do on, on, on stories, which is good. Um, uh, and uh, so it'll feature all the things. We've got an international workers' action, workers' action, uh, Got a few things in Agitate, Educate, Organise today too, which is wonderful. Um, and, of course, uh, hang around for the world-famous Scallywag of the Week. But before we go any further, we want to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land from which we broadcast, the Yuggera and Turrbal people. This land was stolen, never ceded. We pay our respects to Elders past, present and emerging, we also acknowledge all First Nations comrades listening today, especially Smiley. We stand <laughs> in solidarity with our First Nations people in their struggle for recognition, reparation and land rights. We live and benefit on stolen land. It's time to pay the rent. Right on. All right, well, let's get in. Look, I found this story late last week. And I thought, yep, that's for us to report in uh, workers, uh, First Nations workers' action. So uh, charges have been laid following the shooting death in custody. Yes, so a New, New South Wales Corrective Service officer has been charged with manslaughter following the shooting death of a Rudgery man in custody almost two years ago. Dwayne Johnston was handcuffed and shackled when he was fatally shot by the officer outside Lismore Base Hospital in March 2019. 
The 43-year-old had run from two officers who were escorting him from the hospital to a corrective services van. Mr Johnson had received treatment at the hospital after appearing to have a seizure in a holding cell at Lismore Courthouse. An inquest into his death was held in northern New South Wales in October late last year. But it was suspended after State Coroner Teresa O'Sullivan referred to the matter to the Department of Public Prosecutions. The New South Wales Police today confirmed that a 57-year-old man presented to Lismore Police Station where he was issued a court notice for manslaughter. Members of Mr Johnson's family released a combined statement saying they welcomed the charges. Dwayne was a much-loved partner, son and stepson. The many people who loved and cared about him are pleased to see some accountability today for his untimely death. We thank everyone who has been involved in getting to this point, it read. We will forever remember Dwayne as a funny, bubbly rascal who was a family man at heart. He absolutely adored his partner, Kirsty, and would go out of his way to help people. He loved animals, enjoyed fishing and lived life to the fullest. The officer is due to face Lismore Local Court on March 29th. Right on. Good stuff. Yes, that's great. It's good to see someone facing accountability for what is blatant murder it's it's sad that it like it's getting charged with anything less than murder it's going to manslaughter charge for yeah shooting that's kind of weird shackled man someone who poses literally no threat to anyone it's awful and i'm glad at least something is happening yeah it's a step yeah. in the right direction well there's two now that that have been held account and many more i'm, I'm sure should be yeah well did, we still have to wait to see what the results are that's right there's still results but look even i dare i say i'll use that phrase there dare, even this is a step in the right direction yeah, yeah now and 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 i as as a an observer and and someone who likes to stand in solidarity um the the pressure that's been been applied by the public over the last say more than more than the last year you know last few years um, is is bringing about that uh, change perception you know that perception of change so um, ho- hopefully it turns into a reality and we we start to see uh, you know like a, um, you know them treated a little bit di- you know first nations workers treated a little bit different like the the 10 year day story is heartbreaking mm. you know that's heartbreaking you know and uh, you know and we, we we've got to do things like say the name you know and remind everyone that you know 10 year day you know we died in custody for, for, for having a few beers and, and then traveling home you know like it's, it's terrible terrible and I think I said in past shows that uh, I think I would have been. I should have been arrested many a time. Yeah, <laughs> many yeah. of us could have been. <laughs> and and there were were reports of a of, of, of a, a white woman who was driven home at the same time oh. as Tanya Day. Oh, that's disgusting. Yeah, they drove her home instead of you know locking yeah. her up. So, but uh, yeah, yeah, there's there's. There's, change, there's hope for change there. But, yeah, uh, I'll remain positive. I like to right. think that things are changing. And we'll, we'll try to keep an eye out uh, for uh, the results of, of that uh, uh, proceedings. All right, so uh, we've got a new report that finds as sacred sites are under threat due to MacArthur River Mine. I nearly said capitalism then, <laughs> <laughs> just to change the heading. But uh, MacArthur River Mine, 
Yeah, um, so 22 sacred sites under threat of irreversible damage from operations at the MacArthur River Mine, according to a new report from the UNSW. The report also found an important river system in the Northern Territory could face uh, ecological damage if the mine operations continue unabated. Gundanji and Yanua traditional owners have raised concerns about the cultural and environmental damage caused by the massive lead zinc mine for years. A continuous plume of sulfur dioxide smoke has been emitted from the mine's waste rock dump since 2013, and acid seepage through the site near Borolula on the Gulf of Carpentaria has also been reported. Yuck! The UNSW report found there was delays in responding to issues raised by the independent monitoring system, which was set up to protect the environmental and cultural interests in the area with the mine site operator Glencore Australia and the anti-minings regulator failing to act quickly to mitigate these risks or failing to take action on recommendations altogether. The anti-government recently approved an expansion of the mine despite the authority responsible for protection of Aboriginal sites rejecting Glencore's application. The NT's Aboriginal Areas Protection Authority said they were concerned about the potential damage to sacred sites after Glencore was given the green light to increase the size of the mining pit and waste rock dump last year. The government also reduced Glencore's environmental security bond from $519 million to $400 million. At the time, the AAPA called on the MacArthur River Mine to properly engage with traditional owners. UNSW's report has echoed these calls, saying more systemic, systematic engagement with communities in Borolula and surrounding areas need to be prioritised. In December, the Northern Land Council lodged a compensation claim against the Northern Territory Government on behalf of Gandanji, Yanua and Yanua Mara native title holders. The native title holders mounted a a successful legal challenge in 2007 over approvals to change the mining methods from underground to open cut. The anti-government immediately passed new new legislation to validate the approvals. The following year, native title holders successfully challenged approvals made by the Federal Environment Minister, but then the Minister granted a separate environmental approval. Wow. zinc, Zinc is what they use to make... To make to make batteries, is that right? I was reading the other day that um, I think it might be. I think you yeah, might be on. The, on uh, I think the that right there's there. a big switch happening in the country towards like lead and zinc. Like Reinhardt, the horrible person that she is, is starting to invest a lot of her money in that. Um, so that's not great news. This <laughs> is. Just the sulfur dioxide smoke has been emitted from the mine's waste rock dump since 2013. Yeah, continuously. Like, oh, my God, that really struck me. Yeah. That's gross. And uh, I, I think uh, when when uh, Jackson was, was reading the story, I, I, I was just kind of reminded of, uh, of how... The um the the state is the lackey of the of the of the corporations, is aren't they? Mm-hmm. You know, like the except from that story there, it sounds like the NT government are doing everything they can to uh, uh, keep this uh, Glencore uh, in business. Yeah, you see them multiple times, like ignoring their own institutions mm. in order to like give profit to this business and it like, goes to show like how the um while the government might have a whole bunch of progressive sounding things in it and so going like hey we're super great look look at our 
Aboriginal Area Protection Agency. We 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 love to protect the community and everything. Like ultimately, in the face show. of like yeah, in the face of creating profit, they're willing to ignore all of it. Yeah. Now here at Workers Power, we know the state and capitalism go hand in hand. Right, and, and the, just one last point. The government also reduced Glencore's environmental security bond from $519 million to $400 million. $400 million. That's $100 million over. That is, is going to be to rehabilitate the land. You know, so they're, they're supposed to, with these uh, rehabilitation plans and bonds and, and all that stuff like this, what they're supposed to do, it's supposed to be as beautiful as, um, they're supposed to leave it as beautiful as what they did when they came. How? That's not even, it's not possible. <laughs> and then they, they, they keep taking money and they keep getting concessions on the bonds and things like that. And yeah, yeah, it's, uh, um, yeah, the mining and, and waste industries. And, and, and then they'll go, oh, what a great, we've got this big hole. We, we've got, we've only got $400 million now. I know what we can do to make up for it. Let, let's fill it full of rubbish first. Oh. That's kind of, you know, in, in a, in a um, you know, uh, layman's kind of term, simplistic view of mm. it. That's what's going on, you know. That's what's happening out of the Ipswich. They're just filling all, all the, all the um, uh, uh, mines with, with rubbish, you know. It's all right to a certain degree. Look, we've got to have it, you know. We've got to... You know, it's in this day and age, we've got to do something for the here and now, right? And uh, burning it for one is, is isn't the guy, but we we should be every time we talk about it, and that's why I wanted to uh, keep the conversation going. Every time we talk, we, we we've got to talk about uh, we need a systematic change to our society in the way that we consume. Yeah, exactly. Capitalism wants us to consume, consume, consume. Mm. Products aren't designed to last for very long and then we just end up with these huge amounts of waste. Yeah, and uh, look, at, look at the plastic bag, right? I was, having, I was in discussions in, in regards to that and, and uh, the, you know, it was the good old days where, where Coles, you know, where I used to work, there used to be two people on every checkout and one would pack your brown paper bags, right? And uh, you know, it was quite, uh, it was a bit, uh, a little bit bourgeois, Coles, and back in the day, it was very much because you paid for that extra service, you know, and and um, yeah, the, the the Coles workers, you know, back in the sixties, seventies, even in the eighties or so, they were quite well paid, and you know, to, you know, to a degree, and and they had their work was quite good, and was all about service, but then uh, someone said, hey. Um, this plastic bag thing, you can hook it up to the side there. One person can be packing. You can halve your service costs. Oh, wow. Also, all we've got to do is switch to plastic bags. Yeah, well, just, just to imagine, and, like... You know, and they save millions a year, you yeah. know? A plastic wasn't even a thing, really, you know, before, like, the 60s or 70s. No. And now it's quite literally in our bodies, <laughs> like, all yeah. of us. Yeah, that's right. There's the convenience and uh, uh, there's a the convenience that has been that the capitalists have put onto us, but they've primarily bought all this, this, this uh, uh, plastic uh, products in so that they can make more money. 
You yeah, know, like, now there's plastic everywhere. You know, Coke wants to sell. You know, like uh, you, you, you'd look they, the the profit margin would probably be higher on on a can than what it would be a bottle. You know, so or or a, a smaller bottle. They they introduced all because you used to only be able to get cans and big bottles of soft drink. That was it. You know, well, glass bottles if you're going yeah, even older. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, you had the 750 mil uh, glass bottles. You know, but. Uh, uh, yeah, then plastic just really, really, really come come in, uh, and uh, yeah, you, you can uh, uh, we can say on here that it it was because of profit. It was driven by profit. Absolutely. You know? All right. Well, that's. Yeah. I think the biggest takeaway from the story is like that um, reforms, governmental reforms, don't work. The government cannot work for the people, and if we want to be able to protect country and ourselves we need to build power among the people outside of and against the government well said that's right and uh we're gonna talk about agitate educate organize that's where uh we we talk about what you know what we've been doing what four triple z has been doing but uh um there's a couple of things uh, and and we didn't get to it in the last couple of weeks so i've got a few in here uh first off i wanted to talk about Deeping creek now I popped out. There's been some activity happening out there that I wanted to update everyone on. I popped out there and uh, um, just just gave them some petrol for their generators uh, yesterday. But uh, the the things to update uh, the community that they can get involved with is uh, so they've started doing um, uh, garden bees or working bees. So uh, Saturday they did one last Sunday, but the next one is Saturday morning. 6 to 10, very early for me on a Saturday, um, 6 to 10. I think they do that uh, because, you know, you get out there, you do a couple of hours hours um, you know, in, out there before it gets too hot, gets very, very hot. Um, so so that's, um, that will be on Saturday, 13th of February. Um, oh, this one says 7 to 11 a.m., so any time in the morning before it gets too hot and or 3 to 3 p.m. to 6 p.m., so later on in the afternoon. Um, so that's at uh, 144 Grampian Drive, Deeving Heights. And so uh, the other thing that's been going on out there is there's a, you could call it a pallet city or a pallet suburb. There's all there's very a, versatile. Yeah, are. yeah, they they are very good. There's 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 a fair few structure uh, um, shelters and structures that have been built out of uh, uh, predominantly um, uh, pallets. Nice. So that would be the community dropping them off and then, and then the, uh, the, the, the residents down there, um, uh, you know, working out how to do something with it. So we've got a, there's a, there's a, a, a good cross of, of people that are, that are actually out there. So you've got, of course, you've got your, your, your traditional owners that are out there, but uh, you, you, there's also, uh, there's some, some groups out there. I know that some of the Extinction Rebellion um, youngsters get it. Well, I call them young but uh, <laughs> get out there and and also there's louis who's out there with louis a comrade of ours who he's uh he he uh, louis a, a big he's a he's a, a a worker's gardener you know he's all about permaculture and and, and things like that so so there's there's a lot happening out there, eh? It's it's it's, it's turned into a, like a little little suburb kind of thing, you know, a a, a pallet suburb, you know. So <laughs> um, I I encourage I'll try and get out there for for an hour or so. You don't need to 
you don't need to commit too much. You could probably just go out there for an hour and just uh, and ask ask Louis where where can I get some weeds out for you? I've probably got about half an hour of enthusiasm, and <laughs> and I reckon he he would he would uh, you know be more than happy to show you. Yeah, boom, go there, or uh, if if you can take out whippersnippers or things like that. Uh, um, if not, you can get in contact with them uh, on Facebook. You can go to. Justice for Deebing Creek, Guri Sovereign, Sovereign Land Council. So, um, look up that on the uh, on the internets and um, yeah, get out there and help them out. And it says to uh, bring your love for the earth, drinking water, food, hat, sunscreen, gloves, and garden tools. So get out there if you want to show a bit of solidarity uh, with the with the Deebing Creek uh, first uh, traditional owners and uh, yeah because um, if you set it up and put some permanency in there, well when the developers try their stuff, well no there's going to be a whole lot of people living there. Yeah, and, it's going to be and a lot like, harder. Yeah, that's right, you know. And our role is to stand in support them and stand in solidarity with them. So. Fantastic. Now, there's also something else that's that's going on. Now, now, this one, where are we? This is not this weekend, next weekend. So, Saturday, 20th of February, there's a Deebing Creek uh, movie night and they're showing In My Blood It Runs. So, that's a movie night, Deebing Creek, a sovereign camp, Saturday, 20th of February, uh, food provided, Wow. Nice. Uh, bring your own cushion or chair. Uh, Socialising and speeches at 5.30pm. Movie will start at 7pm. Once again, 144 Grampian Drive, Deebing Heights. Get out. I'm not sure if I've seen that movie yet. It's good. It's a good doco. All right. There was one I watched re- recently with... Um, Oh, I forget the name. But there was, there was uh, yeah, there's there's some good ones that are coming out. So, um, yeah, yeah, I might, uh, that could be a uh, a good place to go and go and see that. Uh, and, uh, yeah, yeah, so that's a bit of an update on Deebing Creek. Uh, you know, it's it's happening out there. It's, uh, they're contributing to their community. That's what they do. Yep. Um, so good luck to them, and we'll we'll be standing in solidarity. And we'll also look, look uh, since it's uh, the movie night is um, uh, a, a, a two, another show away. I might head down again and see if I can get an interview. And um, oh, yeah, and we'll give you a reminder next week as yes. well. Yeah, and and we'll remind everyone about the movie night. So yeah, that's uh, that's fantastic that, that that's happening. Get out there, get amongst it. Um, so the next thing that I wanted to talk about in Agitate, Educate, Organise is the Pass the Mic. What's, you, what is that, Bill? Well, the Pass the Mic is a free community radio training program for First Nation uh, folks. yes. Run by 4ZZZ and the CMTO. Let me, let me look up the, re, the full name of that. The Community Media Training Organisation. Right, yeah, so sounds like an awesome Yeah, you can, become qualified, you can become a qualified 4ZZZ announcer... And learn everything there is to know about making radio in the process. Yeah, for free. For free. The training course is held over six days from February 22nd to March 1st at Brisbane Indigenous Media Association, which is at West End and uh, here at 4 Triple Z, um, on, on the lands of uh, Turrbal, Jagara and Yagara people. 
uh, to apply, you, head, you can head to our um, uh, website and uh, uh, forward slash training. So, forward triple Z dot org dot au forward slash training. Fill out the form. And that, that's a, a special thanks to Community Broadcast Foundation and the Community Training Organisation for supporting and for Triple Z. Yes, of course. <laughs> so I also wanted to add a, a, a special um, thing for our show um, and a guarantee that anyone who's involved in that, um, they can also get in contact with us and they can get... Uh, um, yeah, Radio please Tom, do. Oh, yeah, That'd definitely. Be wonderful. We would, we, we would love, love to. <laughs> we would love to have you as part of the team. But look, even even if you got your own idea for a show, and uh, um, you, you need experience and help, we're there for you. We will stand in solidarity. We've I got would you be. Back. I would be more than. I've I've done the application process. So I would be more than happy to help them out. But also, we could help them out with experience on on uh, driving the panel and all stuff like that. So. Uh, yeah, get in there. Don't uh, don't hold yourself back, comrade. Um, get out there, amplify your voice. Um, there's a there's a there's a training course here, and and also a, a position waiting for you on workers' power if you, if you want it. So uh, yeah, that's that's a good good initiative, I think. You oh, know? that's wonderful. Ampli- amplifying First Nations yeah. workers. Now, the last thing that I'm going to talk about. Hopefully, I can make this a bit fun. Oh, is, this, is this the Ipswich fascist? <laughs> yes. So uh, out at Ipswich, uh, I won't use names or anything, but uh, we, we, we've we got, uh, yeah, uh, a, a white supremacist. Oh, gross. It is very gross. Yeah. Now, uh, the day before Australia Day, they went out and um, put, uh, um, uh, they were A4 posters of the Australia flag with the words "No white guilt" Ew, written yuck. on it, you know, and put it all around round round town. Now, the 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 thing that that I I like about it is that there's been a, a group formed. Okay. And you could call it, well, you could call it whatever you like, but there's been a group formed that just don't like it, and it's not. There's people in there that I haven't met in this in this group. And uh, we uh, we we formed as allies as a little solidarity group to to shut this grub up. Sounds good. So uh, yeah, yeah. Like uh, I was sitting around, you know, just relaxing, uh, thinking about doing an insi- exciting um, coverage of the Invasion Day rally on Four Triple Z, and uh, seen some messages about these posters, and I thought, oh, I can do something about this. I've got half an hour to spare, so I grabbed the grabbed a pair of scissors and, a, and and one of the kids and off we went and uh, <laughs> yeah we took about down 20 of them there was only about and we found more later and and now the, 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 these grubs are pretty silly too they they film themselves putting them up <laughs> they even do counts so we know yeah. where, we know how many we've got to get and uh, that was their first yeah first yeah <laughs> and uh, you know so others within the group are say a little bit more um, uh, compliant. Well, compliant. Uh, they work within the system, or they want to try within the system. So, so w- we've tried with council, um, uh, and and they 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 say their hands are tied because this guy's uh, essentially is breaking the law by by putting these stuffs up on telegraph poles and things like that. We've tried with the uh, with Energex, 
Uh, they're very, very difficult to get, to get with. But get this: of all the all the, the orgs uh, that 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 is actually starting to get something done, and, and and they've got a really, really good case, is the local supermarket. Oh, okay. Right, he's in there. Uh, um, he's in there defaming uh, staff. You know, I've been very, very careful here in my words that I've been using. I don't want to de- really defame any. Well, I do, but uh, <laughs> Not on I, don't, I just don't want to get into trouble for <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah. You know, right? uh, but uh, yeah, being defaming staff at the local shopping centre. Now, the local shopping centre, of course, you know, they've got to look after their capital interests, you know, because he's wandering around waving flags and shooting um, and no white guilt posters and the like and, and crap like this. And uh, um, But uh, yeah, so they're going after him. Um, which Good. you know, oh god, capitalists are, 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 are my allies in this fight. Yeah, you've got to remember once money comes into it, that's then they're right. all over it. That's right. <laughs> but I just wanted to highlight that uh, they're out there, and and it's it's up to us uh, to to you know stand. We we got to shut it up. You know, like, got to, yeah. You know, if it takes us half an hour to go around there with a pair of scissors, cut a hole it down. Look, he might put them up the next day. I don't care. I'll be back down the day after the, or one of my other comrades will be back down. And the other thing that that uh, can be done is the uh, the swastika sticker with the no symbol through it. That's very very effective. Uh, if you put one of those on, you know, with the 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 no smoking signal on top of a swastika, sticker, mm. you know. So uh, they're very very effective. But uh, look, at the end of the day, we don't want our swastika. sticker. We don't want the swastika sticker in any shape or form out there, even if it is a anti swastika, sticker. You know. Yeah. So, so uh, but uh, yeah, a couple of elements to that. It's it's exciting that the uh, community are organising. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah, they're they're out there, and uh, if they're in your neighbourhood, um, yeah, let me know. I'll I'll, I'll I'll start a group in your community. You know, like you can start and, one yourself. Obviously. Yeah, that's right. You can start one yourself. You can start talking to your neighbours. Um, find out that y- your local uh, who your local antifa people are. Now, mm-hmm. antifa is not a bad word, comrades. Literally, just means anti-fascist. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So you know, all three of us are are, are antifa members, aren't we? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so speak. Not the, but there's no well, real there's no organi- membership. <laughs> there's no real organised. Well, yeah. we're, I, I use the word organised because I like to use the word organised. Mm, yeah, right? but if you're anti-fascist, then yeah, you're antifa. Yeah, you that's right. Sign and up to anything. <laughs> We're just a Wait, group. What? Then what did I sign up to? I don't oh, know, Jackson. <laughs> oh, Jackson. <laughs> that, that, those are the proud boys, maybe. Oh no! <laughs> How no. funny was that during, during all that crap that was going on, and they're, and they're blaming me, each other for for this action. You know, I said, well, uh, I know whose side I'm on. Very, very clear. All right. Well, well, that's about about all I've got to report on on some of the exciting things that. Uh, have been going on in, 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 in our world. How about you guys got anything? You've been a part of that. You'd oh, yeah, no, I've just been doing my mum stuff. Um, I did do the Invasion Day rally the other week. That was good. Um, got to catch up with lots of family and whatnot. And are you preparing yourself for another fantastic year of uh, education? Jackson? I am not. <laughs> <laughs> We're both a little apprehensive, I think. <laughs> we know what you know what it yeah, we know what it involves. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, because you're into your second year now, Jackson. You know what it's no, all about. I'm starting a new course. Actually. Oh. 
But what I was getting at, you've been to yeah. you. You know yeah. what you got to go through, you, you see? Suffering. Yeah. Suffering. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of sleepless nights and anxiety. Yay. You'll get there. You'll get there. And, uh, yeah, it's, uh, I have no doubt that uh, whatever you do will be a fantastic Oh, yes. But you, you got something for us you wanted to chat about. Yeah, I was just doing a little Facebook scroll during those songs and I found a, um interesting post from a friend of mine. So Palace Chook just announced further rollout of the 24-7 Stolen Generation 2020's Task Force combo of child safety and pigs to further areas outside of Gimoy, Cairns and Currambilbara, Townsville. This means that the middle-class Karen types in child safety are now even more empowered to steal children due to their judgmental opinions and literally no evidence. You'll notice in cases where child safety officers share office space with pigs, they end up removing more Aboriginal or Torres Strait Islander kids. If this isn't an indication of a huge problem becoming a far bigger problem, I don't know what is. Uh, and just a note, never sign a child safety IPA individual parenting agreement. You're basically signing custody of your kids to the state, no, to, no matter how much they try to spin it as them just being in, involved to support you. I'm surprised they haven't called the leaders of these dog task forces the chief protector of Aborigines. Yes. Yeah, so that's just... Two steps forward, one step back. Basically. <laughs> Can we sum it up here? Yeah. They went hard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's something to, yeah, really keep an eye on. I'm sure there's a lot more to the story. That's just what I've found has come out just this morning. Mm. Uh, that's uh, red hot news, comrades. Yeah. <laughs> you heard it on Workers Power. Oh, right. Yeah, we don't like to be the bearer of bad news. We, we want to be talking about struggles winning, you know, all the time. But uh, unfortunately in this world... I think if, if workers had their way, maybe we wouldn't have workers' power. Well, it would be good if we didn't need workers' power, wouldn't it? Yeah, it would be good if they just... We'd like to be obsolete. Yeah, it would be, be just, uh, yeah. If At home, they, relaxing on our maybe deck with a beer There'd have instead. to be a better system. There'd have to be a better better way. <laughs> 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 uh, there's, this, uh, there's this author that, that I've heard about, you know, is... Uh, that, that suggests a better way. His, his name's Karl Marx. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. What, what kind of stuff did they I'm write? I'm halfway through his book at the moment. Yeah? It's Is very it good. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a very difficult read. Yeah, it's very, very dry. <laughs> yeah, it's very difficult. <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah, yeah, a, a difficult but important read. Yes. And, uh, yes, so, so we're going to move on to workers' action, but what I'm going to do is throw a curveball, comrade, sorry, and, and we'll just talk about, I think the timing is just a, a little bit better if we talk about that event there that I've got. Event, oh, yeah. event, Good event. Idea. Yes, event? So, so what's happening at 12 o'clock today at uh, King George Square, we've got uh, the RTBU, uh, they'll be holding a protest meeting right outside Silly, City Hall. Silly Hall. <laughs> <laughs> Do you reckon that? That was good. Freud, Freud would love that. <laughs> uh, outside Silly Hall at noon. Um, they will be doing this uh, for the following reasons. Um, our petition calling for casuals to receive a bonus equal to the two concessional days that the rest of the council received for their special efforts during the pandemic. And uh, it has been rejected by the Civic Cabinet. The reason given is that concessional leave is only given to full-time and part-time employees. 
We do not accept that a bonus of equal value could not be given to casual drivers who work just as hard as anyone else to get us through the COVID crisis. Uh, the petition was not presented to the proper committee. It was reviewed by the members of the Civic Cabinet, which is all LMP. Uh, so no opposition councillors were able to speak or vote in favour of the <coughs> petition before Civic Cabinet rejected it. In September last year, Transport Chair Ryan Murphy made a statement in the council chamber where he called council jobs cosy. <laughs> This is an insult to every hard-working council employee, permanent or casual. We will be calling, or we will be calling him out on this and demanding an apology. So yeah, yeah, they're meeting at noon. So uh, if you if you're in town and you uh, you want a bit of a stand-up fight back for lunch, <laughs> head on out to Silly Hall. I do love a bit of stand-up fight back for lunch. I must yeah. say, yeah, yeah. yeah well, so uh, <laughs> I think we're going to rush up. We're going to finish and, and try and get up there, um, and uh, yeah, yeah, and just see what it's all about. Uh, um, oh, that's right. I knew there was a reason why I wanted the other car. It's got flags in it. I won't have a flag, but oh. Ah, I could <laughs> I could pop in the common house and Just grab wave one. your shirt around. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So yeah, yeah. We'll we'll head on that. We'll be up there about twelve thirty. I'd say. Yeah. Um, Casualization is like one of the biggest factors of modern oppression of the working class, and it's, it's definitely something we ought to be organising against. And and something that uh, we'll be talking about in future weeks. Uh, I, I I do note. Well, it's a personal note that we haven't mentioned the omnibus bill in in our um, show today. Uh, we have now. <laughs> Um, but uh, yeah, that's that's the Liberal government even forcing even more casualisation. So that, that that that's something that uh, yes, we will be reporting on very much so over coming weeks. But uh, also, just one last thing on on the the casual bus drivers. You know, they you know they they didn't get the you know same you know thank you that everyone else has got and. And, uh, you know, bus drivers, in light of the bus driver being attacked yesterday, you know, they're, you know, they're on the front line, uh, the, 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 their, their safety's compromised and, uh, um, you know, they, they need compensation, you know, just to cover the cost of face masks. I'm, I'm sure they needed an extra payment. But, uh, yeah, we're standing in solidarity uh, with, with, uh, with our bus drivers and uh, good on them for standing up fighting back. Yeah, so working, moving on to workers' action. More than 17,000 people have lost their jobs at Australian universities since the start of the coronavirus pandemic, with further job cuts expected this year. The job losses equate to 13% of Australia's pre-COVID university workforce. And the Chief Executive of Universities Australia, Catriona Jackson, said more cuts were probable as the border remained closed. At least 17,300 people lost their jobs in universities last year, including permanent staff as well as casuals who did not have their contracts renewed. According to the latest data from Universities Australia, there's an increase on the 12,500 job losses reported by the National Tertiary Education Union in October. Dr Alison Barnes, the president of the NTEU, said the scale of the losses was shocking and would harm future generations of Australians. 
These are people who should be in our classrooms supporting our students, who should be designing cures for diseases like COVID-19 or creating the technological changes that will help our economy over decades, Barnes said. The parents of Australia should be frankly really alarmed. We have got these figures of job losses coupled with the incredible reductions of courses and that harms future generations of Australia. It harms anybody who is a school leaver or who wants to retrain if they lose their job. Public universities and their staff were not able to access JobKeeper during 2020 or 2021, and Barnes said this had contributed to the scale of the layoffs and caused financial stress for individuals. We asked for JobKeeper and were denied on three occasions, she said. The government has actively worked against any rescue package or lifeline for what the sector desperately needs. You look at people who are struggling to pay rent, struggling to feed themselves. It is beyond the economic. It's the impact on people's well-being. A member described to me somebody who lost their job who is now living in a caravan without electricity. This is the human cost of what happens when a federal government walks away from our public universities, which are presumably integral to democracy, integral to economic well-being and civil society. Jackson said the loss of each staff member was bad for the university community and Australia's knowledge reservoir. Universities Australia estimated the sector lost $1.8 billion in revenue in 2020 and was projected to lose a further $2 billion in 2021. Jackson said the revenue losses would continue for years, especially given international students stuck overseas had not been allowed into Australia yet. If an international student didn't enrol in 2020, the loss would be felt for what for what would have been their entire three or four years at university, she said. Continuing border closures mean universities face the double whammy of fewer returning students in 2020 and reduced numbers in 2021. Universities have worked hard to limit job losses. Unfortunately, it is probable we will see further reductions this year. Barnes also said that the 17,300 job losses would have a broader impact on the Australian economy. They are people who suddenly have less income, people who no longer can purchase the things they once could. Their ability to contribute economically is vastly reduced. Yeah, I, I even, uh, I think it was Zedlines I heard this morning where there's, uh, the, the there's, uh, I'm going to put it like this. I'm going to word the story like this. The government are whinging because uh, there's more uh, uh, locals that are getting university places, so the hex debt is going is going to balloon. Oh, true. Yeah, because there's more oh, the Aussies. Oh, yeah, there's more Aussies. Oh, no, Aussies are studying. Yeah, oh. yeah, yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> there's spots being allocated, you know, like... Uh, look, uh, look, I'm all for international students coming here and learning, but uh, I, I'm not all for the uh, exploitation and uh, uh, and the like that the the and the the um, uh, the, the reliance that uh, uh, the reliance of profit that the uh, um, chancellors have, uh, have have bought in because of uh, um, the international students. Yeah, well, it just goes to show the holes in the system, really, when it's all, you know, it's falling apart. (laughs) Back in the day, like, my dad always told me he got paid to go to university. It's just such a stark comparison to what we have today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you look at the the people who who are making the laws at the moment, i.e. liberal politicians, they got free. Yeah, I know. University. And then they have the hire to bloody whinge at us. Yeah, yeah, it used to and be And now free. they spend all that money, like $200 billion on 
uh, military stuff or whatever. That's uh, right. I forgot what it was. Wasn't it jets or something? Uh, submarines. submarines. We need more submarines, <laughs> apparently. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right, we'll, we'll move on to, to our next story, which is a very intro- interesting and it could be controversial, but here at the Workers' Power, we always stand in solidarity with the workers. I think i better go through this one. Um, in an incredible vote last week, United Workers Union members at Smeaton Grange Coles Distribution Centre in New South Wales voted for the sixth time to reject Coles' redundancy offer. It was a narrow vote, just 167 to 163, but it indicates the sheer determination of the majority of workers not to give in to Coles' standover tactics. Coles' offer of four weeks' pay for each year worked, capped at 80 weeks paid for forced redundancies, was first rejected in October last year. But but Coles is desperate to prevent Smeaton Grange setting a new benchmark for job security and redundancy with as many as uh, 3,000 other Coles workers facing the sack as Coles rolls out its automation plans across the industry. Grubs. The stunning vote came after the United Workers Union held a secret ballot online on Friday 22nd of January that returned a count of 156 to 96 in favour. But many workers did not get the text message allowing them to vote. In any case, it is now clear that the majority of Smeaton Grange workers are committed to the original demands, maximum redeployment, training and a cap of 104 weeks pay for forced redundancy. They also want voluntary redundancy to be available right through until Smeaton Grange closes so that workers can take advantage of any alternative job offers before the shed closes. Workers are also angry at Cole's threats to take disciplinary action against workers involved in protesting during the lockout. Amazingly, Coles was proposing to, to make all workers attend a workplace <laughs> behaviour training session on the first day of any return to work. There is now an urgent need to step up the action against Coles. Tragically, the United Workers Union leadership has dragged its feet throughout the dispute it even took a neutral position when Coles ran a non-union ballot. Astonishingly, when that was defeated, rather than organise a proper strike fund and solidarity action for Smeaton Grange, the United Worker leaders approached Coles to urge them to make another offer. Weeks that could have been spent organising action against Coles were lost to unnecessary ballots. There has always been a majority willing to fight Coles, but instead of backing that majority, the United Workers' Union leadership has used the excuse that the workplace is divided to cover up its inaction. There is an urgent need for a proper United Workers' Union strike fund to stop Coles bleeding the workers dry. A United Workers' Union strike fund could help galvanise support for Smeaton Grange throughout the union. Rank and file organisations is going to be decisive. The action 
actions of the concerned workers of Smeaton Grange Group in calling for a no vote was crucial to winning majority support in both the non-union ballot and the latest vote to reject Coles EBA. The no vote needs to be turned into action against Coles. Pickets of Coles Eastern Creek Distribution Centre need to be stepped up. Workers have already succeeded in forcing Coles to remove a clause that would have allowed management to victimise workers for unacceptable activity during the lockout. That is non-negotiable. There can be no future settlement with Coles that would provide any scope for victimisation of workers for protest action during the dispute. Solidarity action at other Coles distribution centres, including Interstate, can increase the pressure on the company. The mass meetings of active members at Smeaton Grange need to become the organising centre of the fight against Coles and the union leadership need to be held accountable to the democratic decisions of the mass meetings. Against tremendous odds, the Smeaton Grange workers have defiled Coles lockout for 11 weeks as Morrison gears up to push more anti-union laws through Parliament Every unionist needs to get behind the Coles workers. A win at Smeaton Grange will be a win for us all. Wow, what a, what a turn of events. Now, um, in the um, union's defence, they've been saying that if they organise anything, that they'll, be, they'll have fines in, in regards to the solidarity action. Um, but that's an adequate defence, Nelly. Um, so, what what we what we'd like to see is is, is the fight like United Workers did for uh, chemist warehouse workers, you know, to stand with them, get the community behind them, and and the like. It's a bit hard for for us here at Workers Power it's because it's down in New South Wales, but uh, uh, you, you know, which is uh, Smeaton Grange is out at Campbelltown, but uh, there'd be a lot of comrades down there willing to stand up. That's right, and, uh, and there has been some some community action, but uh, it's normally quelled by the by the uh, the higher ups and and the like. I I, I think everyone knows me. We don't like to talk. A foul of uh, of unions. If they're um, not doing the right thing by except, workers, though. It's important except the to report. S- yeah, except the SDA, but uh, <laughs> yeah, well, that's different. <laughs> so, some some of this behaviour from the United Workers Union, you know, you could, one, one one could compare with the SDA. So, uh, I it, I think that Oof, that that's, that would that's harsh. That yeah. that is what that phrase there would hurt hurt them the most. You know, we Ouch. don't need any more far right wing unions. Um, you know, so uh, it's time to for for United Workers Unions. Uh, you know, the the higher up those on the board, and uh, you know, stand up and uh, help out these these workers. Uh, you know, Coles are they're what I was going to say terrible. They're lost ter- the words. <laughs> they're a terrible company to work for. They, yeah. they you know, they, they you know they. They just have no respect and, uh, for their workers and the workforce and the, the people that, that make shareholders profits. Um, yeah. And I think what's really important to take away with from this is that, like, you can't rely on people... Um, you can't rely on, like, bureaucratic union leadership to provide your own liberation... Uh, you know, your own victories in the workplace um, like they uh, 
you have to fight for yourself really and that's like and they said it in this article you know you need rank and file organizations like within the union or even outside of it uh if you want to actually win anything and you can see that is providing vital um proving vital in, in this struggle and we can also see another example of, of it with the NTU fight back group mm. which was uh, pretty active during the um, pen height of the pandemic when there, there was all that stuff in the NTU the, um, there's a few of them around QTU you've got one mm. um, they've got a, a Facebook group where they you know they come together and and well, for the want of a word, criticise you know, or, 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 or ke- hold accountable, um, you know, which is uh, it's good to see. So, the, pardon me, it's it's happening more and more and more. So, uh, you need you need good good strong delegates, and uh, uh, um, at Smith and Grange you've got a few good delegates. But when you've got a workforce of three hundred and forty, you'd need you need a, a team of delegates for that size workforce. You know, and when you think that, that a delegate, it's a voluntary role that, that you take on in, in your workplace, you don't want to be looking after 50, 50 other members, you know, more like 10, 20. So hence why I say, you know, like a, a workforce of about 340, you'd want a team of delegates, at least 10 of them, at least. And then you organise them and... and, and uh, but uh, you can tell by um, the no vote winning... That there is are some good delegates on the ground who who, who were there. They're communicating um, everything uh, about about it uh, because some of these deals, eh? They're, they're not that much on the award, you know. And, you, and you're giving away your right to strike. Uh, I've seen one from uh, from Drake's uh, supermarkets for their retail workers. It's one cent above the award. One cent. <laughs> well, what's the point? You, you know, you know what bother? You know and. And for for the union that negotiated it, which was the SDA, right? <laughs> it doesn't even cover your fees. Yeah. Oh, at a minimum, as you want to at least cover their union dues, because if oh. if Drake's uh, workers want a genuine pay rise, well, they do, they could do is ditch the SDA. And there you go, ten bucks a week in your pocket. But you would be much better off. Joining Rafu, of course. Yeah, which join, join a real union. Join a real <laughs> union. But, uh, yeah, we don't need more SDAs in this world. Uh, we need less. So, yes. uh, so get it together, uwu. Yeah, yeah, we don't like to talk afoul of, of the union member because there's some fast, fantastic people within United Workers Union who are doing some wonderful things. And uh, I suppose our call out is to them. The, pe- the good people uh, within the union movement to uh, start, you know, holding those not-so-good people to account. Um, not just blindly follow. right uh, we're going to move now on to International Workers Action. And uh, uh, Haitian... Haitian. Haitian. Revolutionaries intensify struggle against US-backed Moyes regime. Yeah, so on January 31st, hundreds of Haitian revolutionaries took to the streets of several cities in opposition to the US-backed Moise regime in the capital, Port-au-Prince, as well as in the cities of petit Gover. Oh, I'm not going to read this list. Militants <laughs> blocked major roads and highways with burning tires and stones. Haiti... 
Haiti has been experiencing a new wave of protests against the right-wing regime of President Jovenel Moise. Since January 10th, uh, thousands of revolutionary students, workers and members of various social movements have been mobilizing across the city in rejection of Moise's decision to hold presidential and legislative elections on September 19th and a referendum to replace the current constitution, which was established after the popular revolt to overthrow the US-backed dictatorship of Jean-Claude Babydoc Duvalier in 1986 on April 25th. Haitian revolutionaries denounced Moses' decision as an attempt to extend his term of office until February 2022, which, according to the Constitution, ends in 2021. The uh, referendum is invalid and unconstitutional, as the 1987 Constitution prohibits its modification through popular consultation. Social movements, trade unions and revolutionaries have called on the people to organise against the national government of right-wing Tetkali Party, and intensify their measures of protest throughout the national ter- territory until February 7th. In the past three weeks, almost every day, at least one demonstration or mobilization was carried out in the country. Haitian trade unions, such as the National Union of Haitian Workers, the United Movement of Haitian Workers, and the Lawyers Collective for the Defense of Human Rights and Anti-Corruption Union Brigade, have called for a strike, general strike on February 1st and 2nd to demand that the president respect the constitution and leave the National Palace. Since early morning, barricades have been erected in different parts of the country. In the face of recent popular insurrection, Moise's administration has deployed security forces in the capital and other important cities to suppress the social uprising. The Haitian National Police have been using tear gas and water cannons to repress the protesters. Last week, on January 28th, Moise insisted that he must remain in power for another year. He claimed that he assumed power on February 7th, 2017, to serve a five-year term, so he will retain the leadership of the Republic until 2022. However, Moise's term ends in February 2021, according to the article, which provides for an early start of a new presidential term if there are problems with the counting of votes in the election elections. This article is applicable to the present government because of what happened in the 2015 elections. Since July 2018, Haitian revolutionaries have been tirelessly organizing and mobilizing against Moise's corrupt and neoliberal regime, which has plunged the country into a deep social, political, and economic crisis. Moise, along with other current and former ministers and government officials, have been accused of embezzlement of around $3.8 billion from Venezuela's Petro-Caribe funds. Moise's austerity measures imposed in accordance with the International Monetary Fund policies have pushed a majority of the country's population into poverty. Well, there's a lot to digest in that, isn't there? Yeah, I think I should have probably read it before I put it in. <laughs> you did great. Yeah, no. no, it's, a, it's um, an interesting story. That yeah. got... I thought that, that when you said Haitian trade unions and then then the story goes to the lawyers collective. I thought, yeah. oh, I'm thinking, the, the lawyers got a union over there. Yeah, that's, that got me too. <laughs> hmm. It doesn't seem to be like a union for themselves. But no, as, yeah. Like, for know. human rights. Yeah. 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 No, that's good. Anyway, it sounds like Moisey needs to step aside, listen to the people. 
Yeah, there's a there's a few places around the world are having trouble. Oh, we got another another one coming up. Um, uh, yeah, and the other one is Myanmar. There's there's, oh, there's, there's a lot happening in Myanmar. Yeah, at the moment. yeah. There's a lot to that story too. I was I was having a look at it. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, so uh, the next story we've got is uh, oh look look at this headline. This, this one looks good. Look at this, <laughs> get this headline. Government building set on fire after police murder of a street performer in Pangupilli, Chile. Yeah, that's not the good part. It's the burning of the police station. So a police station <laughs> municipality building and other government buildings were set on fire by militants in response to the police murder of street juggler Francisco Martinez in Pangupilli on February 5th. The buildings of the Coroas de Chile post office, the local police court, the civil civil registry and the Esal water utility office were also attacked in the uprising. The flames completely burned down the municipal building. After the murder of the young juggler, a series of protests broke out in the commune of the Los Rios region. The demonstrations began at the front of the 5th police station of Panguipuli and spread to other parts of the city, becoming several sources of fires. The murder took place on Friday and in Panguipuli, a lakeside resort town around 800 kilometres south of the capital Santiago, prompting hundreds to take to the streets in protest. Some militants erected burning barricades and threw rocks at police, while public buildings, including the municipal headquarters, were set on fire. Yes, yeah, that's it. Burn the police station down. Yes. <laughs> you can see that despite having a victory, the people in Chile have kept their revolutionary spirit and are more than willing to <laughs> give a um, fight back against the out. police yeah. when they when they attack them. Yeah, good on them. They threw rocks at police. Right on. And uh, also, lastly, last story here, we've got an uprising at St. Louis Jail. Yeah, so this is in America on Saturday, February 6th. Roughly 115 incarcerated rebels being held at the St. Louis Justice Center in Missouri escaped from their cells and took control of the fourth floor rebels set fires, smashed windows and caused flooding by clogging toilets. This marked at least the third uprising in the St. Louis uh, Justice Center in the past few weeks. A guard was reportedly injured at the start of the uprising. A group of rebels threw chairs and other items out of the building and smashed nearby windows where flames could be seen growing behind them. Some were able to escape from their cells after having previously jimmied the locks. These militants then took over control of a panel that enabled them to free others. Escapes that took place in the first unit then successfully spread to other units. There was an uprising at the city justice centre during the last week of December and another one just days later. In those cases, incarcerated people had concerns about unsafe conditions amid the coronavirus pandemic. In both cases, dozens of people were later transferred to the workhouse. Mm. It's a big it's a big industry over in America. Well, mm. did you hear Biden's signed an order to um, put an end to private prisons? Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's good work. enormous. Yeah. I don't know how it's going to come to fruition, but... 
He is going to shift things to the left. Obviously, not. I've heard not a lot of surprising things from Biden. Yeah, yeah, not far enough for us, of no, course. You know, but uh, we'll it's it. a start. Yeah, we'll take <laughs> it. When when you think of what they've gone through over the last four years, and if not forty years, going back to Ronald Reagan and and, and the like, and the war on drugs. Any fee, any move to the left is great. There, there's stoners. There's stoners in jails that are, that, that are serving long prison sentence. Mm. Just, yeah, because just it's because of the pot. private. It's because yeah. of the private yeah. industry. So if yeah, yeah, you you build it. You have they have to keep coming. Same as the incinerator. So I, I hate. To, uh, I can use an analogy for for the incinerator on it as well. If they build something that's going to generate uh, power out of plastic, we've got to keep producing plastic yeah. so that they can keep keep working just like they need to keep producing criminals That's so that right. they can lock them up and That's make profit right. we've got yeah. private jails here in australia i know i know yeah. and, and it's terrible it, it is terrible you know, it's not it's not a good thing and, and it's a blip on our society mm, well, i reckon I'm, I'm i personally am very very interested to see how this goes down the states with the uh, abolishing of the private prison system yeah and this one in particular like it's these aren't people who have actually been convicted of anything and there's one i heard there was one person in there who's actually been there for five years without trial. Like, a r- ridiculous amount of time to be held without actual proof that you've done anything. Mm. Um, <laughs> even if you... Even, even if you're ignoring, like, the <laughs> fact that the laws are unjust anyway. Um, yeah, so this is... Oh, uh, some good <laughs> stuff that they're doing here, like, fighting back and... Yeah, good on them. Good on them. We've seen quite a bit of that, though. The, the, I imagine a lot of that is because this news source is very focused on prison abolition, and so there's stories from abolition media worldwide, as were the past two that we just mm. read out. Good work. Right, uh, well, uh, d- d- just one, left, one last thing left for the show today, and that is our scallywag of the week. And it uh, was a pretty easy decision. In the end, I was, I was looking through the through the run sheet, and uh, oh, we haven't got a scallywag. I mean, hang on, that scallywag CEO from Coles deserves a you know what we talked about with Smeaton Grange. Now, there's also with with uh, Raffle at the moment where we we the the retailers the retail uh, um, agreement expired in April last year. You know, so we're on an expired. They're on an expired agreement, and so we've been saying, "Well, yeah, now it's time to negotiate." No, all right. Well, let's go to the Fair Work Commission. No, but you have to come to the Fair Work Commission. Oh, okay. We'll get our <laughs> we'll get our high priced lawyers to appear. All right, and we get there, and 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 the Fair Com- Work Commission. I'm, I, I'm using the same analogy kind of thing. Uh, we get to the Fair Work Commission and they say, oh, do, do, you know, Coles, why, why, why don't you want to negotiate? Well, we don't think our workers want to negotiate. <laughs> Rough work. They speak for the workers now. Yeah, they? yeah, that's right. <laughs> oh, righto. You know, so and uh, so what, what Raff has gone about done, uh, and done has gone, gone and got thousands upon thousands of signatures saying that, uh, uh, that workers do want to negotiate. Now... We're we're not big we're not big enough at this stage um, to to uh, get because there's Coles claims that there's up to a hundred thousand workers fifty thousand signatures is is a lot we got a lot mind you don't get us wrong you know um, we got a good good uh, chunk of workers 
Um, so now we're back in there and uh, we'll be uh, trying to get them into the bargaining table. But uh, um, just uh, they'll fight it the whole way. They don't want to do anything until uh, uh, Scott Morrison gets his new laws in. But you know we're we're as you as you know we're a union for our members and we we focus in on our members and their rights and and so we're fighting in the Fair Work Commission at the moment. I think there's a hearing next week sometime, or it could even be this week. Um, hopefully, it's good news. We're not optimistic, you know, because at the end of the day, you know, the the the, the system favours the bosses, and uh, um, and then and then we'll be on to direct action, but. Uh, yeah, yeah, I just thought with uh, Smeet and Grange and, and, and workers, uh, you know, retail workers, Stephen Kane could get a, get a Guernsey. The CEO of Coles is our scallywag of the week. What, what a grub. Righto. We don't need to talk about them too much. I, you know, I've focused my last five <laughs> years of my life fighting that grub. <laughs> Right, but, but that's the show for us. That was a pretty good show. That was a I wonderful show. I hope you show. enjoyed it at home. Uh, we, we've been wanting wanting, and we've been hearing feedback and, and we've been wanting to go a little bit more in depth to our stories. Yes, and have, have a have good dis- yarn about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. So uh, we, we hope you, you enjoyed that. Hey, feedback's welcome on our Facebook page. Go and tell us. I, I love, personally, I, I love feedback. We do. Give me your feedback. We do, you know. Gratitude is even better, but uh, no, no feedback. <laughs> Either way, feedback, feedback. That's that's <laughs> the way we improve ourselves. So, and while we're asking for things, something else that would be nice is uh, a source for Aboriginal journalism. Well, journalism on First Nations issues, other than NITV, because currently that's pretty much all we've got. And I. And we'd appreciate so a bit more diversity in our report yeah, and our resources. Yeah, if you if you if you've got something out there that that, that is your go-to, well, yeah, go for it and uh, yeah, yeah, send send it our way or put us in touch with them, you know. And uh, uh, if you're a First Nation worker and you're interested in in in, in uh, amplifying your voice, don't forget there's the past the mic. Uh, 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 training se- se- sessions that you can find more details on on the 4ZZZ Facebook page or 4ZZZ.org.au forward slash training. All right, well, we've gone seconds over time. Uh, we better hand over to uh, Brisbane Lions, stick around for the real news, and uh, <laughs> see you next it. week, comrade. We'll see you next week here on Workers Power 4ZZZ.